Zoetic Press presents Alphanumeric, a fiction and poetry podcast showcasing pieces from Non-Binary Review. Today, A Romantic Evening with a Cthulhu Figurine by Kayla McNeil. Afterwards, please stick around for an interview with Sion the Poet from the poetry podcast Poetry Talks, interviewed by Zoetic Press poetry editor Carmen Bearfield. And now... A romantic evening with a Cthulhu figurine. Under the whole wide expanse of an empty refrigerator, I sat next to the open door discussing sprayable butter with Cthulhu, his small one porcelain inch body resting on the top shelf. As I leaned in to receive an envelope full of kisses and pestilence, the air turned green and full of shade, and I did not know which side of the nozzle pointed away from me the one where I hold my hand out open and awaiting a gift of leftover and moldy grilled beetle and cheese sandwich, or the other star and arugula salad. Neither existed inside the bourbon flint of my teeth so porous and fermented like a fire breather's, but there were candles scented like beached fish to make him feel at home, and a tablecloth made of human hair woven in the loom between my breasts. Somehow, he decided, he would wrap his wings around me like plastic wrap over an unfinished plate. This has been A Romantic Evening with a Cthulhu Figurine by Caleb McDeal, read for you by Lisa Quintana. Our music was Caves of Dawn by Guillerme Bernardes, provided by Pixabay.com. Alphanumeric is mixed and mastered by Lisa Quintana. You can get non-binary review on our website, zoeticpress.com, or on Amazon. If you like the podcast, please drop in and give us a rating or review, and please, please, please subscribe. New work drops on Wednesdays. Non-binary review because humans are hardwired to tell stories. And now, Zoetic Press poetry editor Carmen Bearfield interviews Sion the Poet. Welcome to Alphanumeric, Non-Binary Reviews, podcast of poetry and prose. I'm your host, Carmen Bearfield, and today we welcome Sion the Poet for this special episode. Sion the Poet is the author of the poetry collection Psychedelic Mixtape and hosts not one, but two podcasts centered around poetry, Haiku Vibes and Poetry Talks. Both explore the world of contemporary poetry and all its wonder, complexity, and diversity. Welcome, Sion the Poet. Um, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for letting me be on your wonderful podcast. And I do hope it's a bit warmer in Brooklyn than it is in the Boston area. I hope oh, it is. Oh, no, it's absolutely not uh, in Brooklyn <laughs> than it is in the Boston area. It's actually quite cold here. I'm so sorry for you. You're Sion the Poet. And I'd love to hear about your journey of starting to write and why you kept going. Okay, well, let's see. I started to write um, for the same reason why a lot of young men write poetry, which is obviously to get girls. I mean, that was, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to say like there was some kind of lofty reason why that I needed to tell my story in a particular way. No, I was trying to write love poems and erotic poems because I know that those were things that women liked. You know, I was in the market. So, that's what, <laughs> so I started that back like in high school and, and I sucked. I was pretty bad at it. But 
fortunately, you know, when I moved on to college, I continued doing so. I continued writing that in that style. I started enjoying it more and I started getting luckier. So it kind of gave me the incentive to <laughs> hone your craft a little bit more. <laughs> I to hone my craft, but I've always loved storytelling and so on. So I kept going. Then I started joining poetry clubs, you know, while I was at John Jay mm -hmm. and speaking to other people that wrote poetry, but I never thought of it as a serious thing. And then I just kept, I, I kept going for it. I did not major in writing, in creative writing, at least not in college. And, you know, because I followed my parents, ah, oh, you know, you can't, you can't get any real work being a writer, you know, so I listened to them. And, you know, I didn't, I, I did not pursue it, but it came around time for my master's after I took a break, I had, um, let me reverse it a, a little bit. So in the late part of my college career, I had a, um, a mentor that was with me through a lot of difficult times. I lost my grandmother, my aunt, then he had passed away of cancer in 2008. So I wrote a poem in honor of his memory oh. and, uh, I performed it. They, they had a memorial service and everyone saw me and him together all the time. It was like, I was his son. So, oh. so I said, okay, well, you know, you get, you get to read this for Professor McGee. And, uh, and so I read it. Then I had the person who does the, the professor who does the advanced poetry classes, you know, she yeah. said, uh, I'd like for you to join my class. And I said, oh. that's wonderful. And I said, I said, well, professor, you know, next semester is my semester, is my last semester, and I did not take the prerequisite. She says, well, you know, there's advantage to being me. So I took the advanced poetry course. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. Yeah, I took the advanced poetry. And then after taking the advanced poetry course, you know, she says, if I were you, I would get a, a, a master's in fine arts in writing and, uh, you know, and then maybe even teach poetry. And and the and English language and so on. We need more male teachers teaching this stuff. Mm. And uh, so this is what she told me. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, I'm 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 tired. School is over for me. Anyway, about five years later, school was not over for me. <laughs> the I, way it is sometimes, it comes I, back. I pursued a master's in creative writing, master's in fine arts and creative writing, and uh, I did much better in it than I did during my college career, I had a much higher GPA and I really took it, took the ball and ran with it. And since then I pushed on and it's really become my craft. And I said, you know what? I needed to earn the name See on the Poet when I felt I had enough skill. So that's why I just added the the poet part. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I think that's an experience a lot of, you know, some writers from the get-go, they're like, they go to school and they're like, I'm going to do it. Whatever my parents say, I am here for writing. And then other people, I've, I've heard a few stories of people going and getting a degree in biology. And then they're like, you know what? I'm actually more passionate about writing. That's it. I'm going to pursue that. So, you know, on my show, I actually interviewed a guy who was working in the heart sciences and had a degree in a uh, in biology, I think he's an epidemiologist. His uh, not an epidemiologist, I'm sorry, entomologist. He's studying mm -hmm. bugs. Uh, so <laughs> that would be some interesting poetry. Not gonna, not gonna lie, that'll be pretty interesting yeah. with that His perspective. It was in fact interesting from the perspective of um, an entomologist. 
you know, I learned a lot of things. I learned a lot of things about dragonflies in that, uh, in that, in that things. And I wouldn't say I didn't care to know about it. It wasn't even on my radar to think about like, how are dragonflies born? But it worked out. I'm going to go look back on your podcast and take a look and go find that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so speaking of that, I'd love to kind of go back a little bit into your podcasting journey, because I know that you started Haiku Vibes before you began Poetry Talks. And I'd love to hear about what led you to creating Haiku Vibes, because I love that format of like something short and sweet that's meditative, especially in those moments that you need that. And you can also be like, I listened to some poetry today. Good for me. I did it. (laughs) So I was writing, I used to write a lot of haikus because I wanted to do you know, that sort of haiku of the day kind of thing mm-hmm. that they were having on Instagram and whatnot. But I said, you know, I actually want to publish some of this yep. stuff. So I'm like, I can't give all, I can't give all the goods away. <laughs> you know, I got I got to make them sweat a little bit. Um, so I was sharing a lot of those pieces, but I said, you know, people, some people liked it. They didn't. I said, what if I, you know, read it? What if I do an audio book? And I said, now, couldn't think about that. And the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was working in corporate America at the time. And, uh, you know, they said, Oh, yeah, by the way, we are <laughs> laying off your department because you know, we can't guarantee the next contract. So oh, I said, no. Okay. Um, it wasn't really that bad. Because the thing is, like, we had some leftover money to get, you know, I went, r- like I did unemployment, then we went right mm-hmm. into employment afterwards. So it really wasn't the worst thing in the world. But also before the pandemic like hit, you know, there were a few months where I was working that job before the contract ended. I spent a lot of time at home. I was able to get my work done really fast because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have to go from this office to that office and talk to this person and that person, you know, so I finished my work much faster than would be expected normally and had a lot of time on my hands. I had, had gotten COVID the first time and it was, it was really bad that first time. And so what I did was I said, well, I want to meditate. And my wife was doing more like yoga and things like that. I said, I can use these haikus. I can repurpose this content. Let me start making a podcast and see if somebody will listen to it. And all I wanted to have is just like one person listens to the podcast. Yes. Right? If one person listens to the podcast, I said, then I'll keep going. I'll make a second episode if I can get one person. I told my wife that if I can get one person, it's not me or you. So I love listen. that goal. I really do. <laughs> Right. So I think I got something like three downloads on my first episode. Hey, that's um, three. I'm it's, hey. It's, it's three. And you're yep. talking about no money to like do any ads or none of that crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went on to say, okay, well, you know, we'll do a second episode. And the first like, few episodes, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I just like read out the haiku. The pacing was like really crappy. It, it was more like 30 seconds and less of a minute. So you were like, you heard the haiku and then, you know, you just heard a beat for like 45 seconds. It was really like a new stuff. I said, let me space out the haiku lines, add some deep breathing to it. And then that really started working on And I was like, oh my gosh, you're like strangers, not only here in the United States or in Brooklyn, there's strangers in France listening to it. There's strangers in the UK and Australia. So I was really into it. So a few months down the road, I said, you know, I want to do longer form content. So I want to interview people and so on, you know, talk about poetry, read some longer pieces if possible. I did that. And then literally I started seeing my audience taking a hit because I Oof. was putting longer form content 
on the haiku vibe. So it detracted away from the original thing. So I said, well, let's start a new podcast. And this is 2021 rolls around. So I started Poetry Talks. By then I had already made some great connections yeah. in the poetry community uh, of up and coming poets and whatever else. And I also was on Clubhouse by that time. So I met a lot of poets and I said, hey, you want to come on my show? <laughs> and they said, yeah, I want to come on your show. And what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about poetry, of course. And you're going to get to read a piece and you're going to get to promote your stuff. And they're like, okay, sign me up. That's that's awesome. That's how I started getting guests. And I said, okay, let's do it. One episode at a time. Let's just just keep going forward. Then we developed a plan and we developed a system and all that businessy stuff started going on. And then we wound up having a more polished and professional sounding and looking product. I listened to one of the episodes where you were, and I, I, I apologize, I don't remember the name of the poet, but she is from the UK and just really brilliant. I, I really love the the piece that she. Oh, you're talking was, about. You're talking about Aziza. I believe so. Yes. From um, she yeah she she is awesome. She's from the UK. And a quick story on how I met her. Yeah. Um, you know, and and her piece was about language, I believe, right? I think yes. A, yes. And she was talking about, I, I believe it was like having a lisp. It wouldn't translate the way that she intended it to. And she wrote this, the, the poem is beautiful. And I feel bad that I don't have it written down because I should. It, but either way, tell that story. Go ahead. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. So so she, so her poem, her uh, her thing is called Fine Words Weave. I think I called, that's what I called the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and lovely, lovely woman. So I met her. There was a show on Clubhouse called Poetry and Conversation. And that was like, this is my really early days of Clubhouse. I was on there. And she was one of the very first people I met on there. I recognized her voice and her cadence and so on. And mm-hmm. then I was like, this, this woman's amazing. And then I started finding her in more rooms. Like I went to an improv poetry room and I would see her in that room. And especially uh, during the daytime because the UK is five hours ahead yeah. uh, of, of New York. She would be on these different rooms. We wound up, you know, getting more in contact with one another. And we just said, I just said, hey, you know, we want to be on my show. And she's like, yeah, I'll be on your show. I will be on your show. And she ended up on the show. And I was so happy. This is it's definitely one of the um one of the higher performing episodes. And you know, without getting too technical with that stuff, it, it was definitely a well done episode. And I really loved my uh talk and my conversation with her. It kind of felt more like an episode of that poetry and conversation show on Clubhouse with a lot less people. Yeah. I need to check out Clubhouse. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a wheelhouse that I need to jump into. It's a veritable gold mine of poets. Yeah. And so I I'm gonna kind of jump into I'll I'll backtrack a little bit into my questions. Um, but since we're on Clubhouse, I'd love to hear about um your experience going into that space. And I would imagine that like Twitter spaces is gonna be something a little bit similar. But I'd love to hear if you have any advice for poets who, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, they just haven't had a chance to go to open mics the way they used to. They can't engage with their community the way that they used to. And kind of getting over that nervousness of going online and talking to people and meeting them and sharing 
sometimes very personal work, right? And do you have any advice for them if they're jumping oh, into I, it? I absolutely do. So one of the things that it was for me is, well, I'm an introvert. I was petrified of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to open mics and have a bunch of people looking at me and I'm looking so close to the paper and oh my gosh. <laughs> no. So what I would tell them is keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. You can do this in pajama pants at home with a cup of coffee or a seltzer or something like that and relax. You can breathe how you want to breathe. You can look at it on your monitor. And I would say uh, you can have a chance, especially on Clubhouse, like on Thursdays and Friday nights, mm. you can have a chance of going to three or four open mics based in various parts of the country yep. in one night. Which is and, amazing. Yeah. And so that will condense your level of exposure. And the good thing about that is while you may feed off of the crowd reaction, like the live crowd reaction, you can also still feed off of a lot of reaction from those who are on stage with you. And I think that that helps, especially if you come from a background where you're not accustomed to performing poetry. So like I wasn't accustomed to performing poetry and I wrote most of my poetry for the page, not the stage. But my presence and my cadence and my ability to deliver pieces has improved greatly due to apps like Clubhouse. Yeah, I'm that type of poet where a lot of the times I'm writing for the page, right? And so with everything that's been going on with the pandemic, it's been harder to just kind of engage with the community. So I really appreciate all the work that you're doing, not only connect online in clubhouse spaces, but then also bringing people to your podcast and giving them that exposure that they might not have gotten during this time. Cause it's just, it's a little, it's so stressful, everything that's going on. Yeah. So like for the poetry spaces, what, what I, especially when I meet other poets and talk to other people on the podcast, like when I bring them to the couch, as it were, yeah. to the table, as it were, um, in, in my platform, it kind of gives them ability to talk a little bit more expansively yeah. about themselves and about their poetry and their craft and, and life. You know, whereas if you are on a clubhouse open mic, depending on how the moderator structures the open mic, you might only just have enough time to deliver your piece and maybe say a little bit of 30 seconds or so about yourself or whatever else. And I feel it's enough to get people's appetite wet, but it's not enough to really give people a full idea of the piece. And (laughs) unless you are a featuring you may not have the opportunity to read more than one piece. And that's that's a really important to keep in mind because I think in uh, in-person experience, you know, if you hang out after, people will come up to you and like chat with you a little bit. And I can imagine with Clubhouse, it's a little bit, different you know you like like what you did you had ended up seeing the same people in different rooms and reaching out to them but Mm. you know there's that lost opportunity for that organic just conversation and getting to know more about the poet and the poem exactly and i i think like you know now that things like you know of course like with the covid being the way that it is things open Mm -hmm. and they close uh you know there things are going to eventually open back up and I think, I think sooner rather than later. And once that happens, you're going to have your live open mics again. Mm-hmm. The way how I see it, it's going to really hybrid. I can see a situation where there's an open mic, but there's also a clubhouse or a Twitter spaces room mm-hmm. going in the background of the open mic. 
I'm giving I'm giving some open mic hosts and presenters. I'm giving them some nuggets. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> you know, they they can have like something running in the background, and I feel like what was a missed opportunity with Clubhouse is Clubhouse didn't do as much to let itself run on the web or let itself run as a web app or mm. computers. Whereas you may have someone that are like, hey, listen, I'm a present, I'm a poet, but I don't like how I sound through earpods. I don't like how I sound through the phone's microphone. And there are too many dongles and too much crap that you have to buy in order to have a proper microphone on your phone. So if you're able to do it on the computer, that may make people who are a little bit more seasoned feel that they can deliver their content in a way that ties loyally to their personal brand no definitely for those seasoned people who are pure like spoken word poets they are they are performers they are brilliant at like bringing that energy and that emotion and if the phone can't pick that up i can i can understand why maybe some of them are like eh. I'll, I'll skip this. I'll skip this open mic. And that loses an opportunity for everybody to like enjoy their work. Yeah. Like my, like my very first guest, um, mm. she was an open mic host and she actually has a, has an open mic that she's hosting tomorrow. Uh, and so her, her Twitter handles my crumbled thoughts and she was my very first guest. And <laughs> when I had, uh, when I, so when I had J Rose on, you know, I asked her, I said, can you be my first guest on this new show? Because I know you are a performance poet. I would like for you to perform a piece on this show. And moreover, I, I think you have delivered a lot of great opportunities for others and interviewed a lot of others. So I want to interview you. And she said, sure, why not? Uh, oh. she, she's, she's a great person. So she went ahead and did that. And I said, I promise I'm going to make your voice sound nice. And so we had a great first episode. I learned more or less about how to, and I started getting more ideas about how to incorporate that mm -hmm. live performancing and then bring it into a pandemic-friendly way. We can then build it back out once this uh, pandemic is over, whether it's socially or medically over. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I, I really appreciate that forethought, right? Like, thinking about what it's gonna, how are we gonna adjust to this new normal? And so I also had a question for you about your collection. So I'd love to hear about that journey because you had published um, Psychedelic Mixtapes and I believe it was April, 2020, Yes. right? So Psychedelic Mixtapes, um, the interesting thing is, so like when the initial Mm -hmm. rollout of that book came out on April 20th uh, of 2020. That was a very hard day for me. Mm. My mother had caught COVID really bad. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, she, she's okay now. Thank you. Good. She had caught COVID really bad. And so she was, uh, this is when they set up the Javits Center and, and so on. It was a really emergency situation. And we almost mm -hmm. lost her that day. Oh. And I had like Instagram lives and crap scheduled. Mm -hmm. And so by the evening, we learned that, okay, she was going to be fine or she was at least not going to die. Mm -hmm. So I continued, and, okay, well, you know, the show must go on. It's not like I could have gone there to see her anyways. Yeah. Uh, and so, which is devastating. Yeah, w very much so. So, you know, that launch was a little bit bittersweet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so 
the, but the creation of the book mm -hmm. was in, was through 2019. It was definitely pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of the work in there was really based on, it, it, it took a lot of real world things and pointed the finger of a lot of, on a lot of real world things and touched on a lot of issues, but in a way that like psychedelic rock from the 1960s and early 70s did, you know, mm -hmm. that it used a lot of colorful imagery, a lot of imagery that like, let's say if you get in touch with nature or cannabis and what have you, you know, that these visuals would pop even more. So I said, I want to give someone a, a sense as if they are <laughs> on <laughs> cannabis, on weed, without, without actually you know, doing that. Cause it's, I mean, people people partaking, they get the, they get the energy from the poem. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 what's, it's, you know, it's, it's people's choice what they put into their body. If they're like, I don't want to, don't want to, that's not my jam. That's mm -hmm. fine. But the poem will really flip reality sort of on its head. But in the me in the meantime, still talk about serious issues mm -hmm. in a way that is, you know, catchy and whimsical. Yes. And, um, like if I were to like describe a song and say what's an appropriate song to think about for psychedelic mixtape mm -hmm. to compare it to, I would say Strawberry Fields Forever by the Beatles. I love um, that. Um, I, I would say that's like that level of imagery, mm -hmm. you know, um, like, you know, um, like, like living is easy with eyes closed, you mm. know, the, those kind of lyrics. Let me talk about things like police brutality. Mm. Talk about things like race relations. Let me talk about things like um, the political situation, the yes. nature of social media. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to talk about it and give you a, a, and put you on a trip as if we are in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. While Strawberry Fields plays in the background and. Uh, and so it really did have that sort of view, and that's how I created it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's 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 what I, that's how I created that uh, particular, particular piece and that particular body of work. And it really came together. And one of the most important things about it, and I mm -hmm. had talked about it even on, on my show, this idea of, you know, I respect people who say that they're creative process is an organic one that they mm. write the poetry when the poetry comes yep but um like i challenge that when i say i created psychedelic mixtape by setting a schedule for myself that i made sure that i wrote x amount of words a day yes at least or that i made sure that i sat down at the desk and wrote because the way how i saw it is yeah the muse comes and we all work based on the muse mm -hmm. but the thing about it is, you know, working for publishers and dealing with deadlines and so on is you have to get it out by a certain time. Yeah. And so your muse may not be that reliable. You may not, your pen might not be ready to write at a certain time. Mm -hmm. but you have to make your muse reliable, develop that muscle memory. Yeah. And that's what I started doing was developing that muscle memory. Yes. You know, and I felt the poetry started just coming more naturally that I could say, okay, let me just slap on my headphones, sit in front of the computer. And then all of a sudden I might think about two, three, four words, a short mm -hmm. line, 
and then a poem comes from there. Yes. You know, so I'm a huge respecter of of setting that up. Um, and I got that idea from when I read On Erotica, a Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King. Have you ever read it? I have not. You I'm going to add it to my list. There it, we go. It, it's, it's an awesome um, thing. I don't know if you're a Stephen King fan. Um, you're up there in New England, so you're in, more in his neck of the woods. Yes. <laughs> Just a short drive, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> go visit. Yeah, the 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 old Victorian house where the heart where the where America's boogeyman lives. Yeah, you know. Um. So, you know, and just a real quick caveat: I actually had an opportunity to meet him. Oh, really? I lived in Tulsa, and you know, and I was so nervous and stuff about. It. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be able to. Do that. I saw the tickets were available. Pulled out my wallet. My card was not in my wallet. <gasps> available for end of watch. The book signing, right? Oh so my I said, gosh. okay, let me go grab my wallet. It's probably my coat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grab in the coat. Damn, if two minutes later, Kane's ballroom was not, the tickets weren't already sold. I said, oh my God, I could have gotten an autograph. I would have I begged somebody. I'm going to turn around and be like, look, I will cash up you right now. Please help me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but the thing is, I didn't really know enough people that I was going to go do that. I was saying, yeah. should, should I just go and like, you know, look real sus hanging outside of Kane's <laughs> Hey, it's Stephen King there. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you can take a, a drive up to Maine at some point. I hear he's very friendly and he'll he's like walks around town like super Yeah. You know, and just be like, hello, just wave. Just get that little <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it's but it's also like, you know, maybe at the time it was for the better, you know, don't meet your heroes and stuff like mm. that. But I really do want to meet him. I should actually go up there. Um, <laughs> So, so what he said in honor writing a memoir of the craft, he said, you know, when you're a writer, yeah, it's your, it's your job, it's your craft, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's no such thing as like a plumber doesn't get a plumber's block, you know. The plumber's like, hey, you know, I'm not feeling it today, can't fix these pipes. He said, so he says, you know, it's another job like masonry, bricklaying, plumbing, whatever the case is. When you have deadlines, mm-hmm. you're not trying to hear that you didn't feel inspired, and you know, and that's the thing, you know, you just set up some time to write. And you mm-hmm. write it because even a crappy poem, even if you write absolute trash, and it's anyone who, words on the page, and anyone who says that they've written a banger every time is a damn liar. I said <laughs> that on your podcast, right? <laughs> Truth. I know I've written some stinkers, and I've known, and I've even known that, like, I've also had, you know, a couple of poems or whatever cases that's in a collection. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that might not have resonated with me all the way at that time, but mm-hmm. it will resonate more with someone else. Yes. I mean, if Stephen King can admit, hey, I've written some novels that I was not as connected to, or mm-hmm. I've, you know, come up with some things that were not necessarily the best or as commercially successful as I thought it was going to be. I mean, hell, I'm just a poet from Brooklyn, New York, with like way less experience mm-hmm. or way less time in the writing game and way less money but the thing is if he can admit it i can admit it too so not everything is going to be a banger and yeah. you just have to get words on that page as you put it yes you know? you know i've heard i've heard the phrase of writing really begins with editing um or that process of just like embra- like embracing hey this one's not working out how do i fix that how do I work on that um do you have like a 
a process or like I have my own like writing and editing quote unquote like ritual of I light a candle I make tea I sit down I open everything up and I go all right I'm ready I'm ready to edit (laughs) rip these words apart so I get into two different mind frames. Like if I'm yes. writing a short story, mm-hmm. right? Believe it or not, like I'll throw on these headphones and like put on something like Metallica or a Slipknot <laughs> or some kind of speed metal. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, let's just do this. Like it's like it's like head banging and you know and, and stuff like that. And I'm just like listening to this stuff and I'm banging it out. And this started in grad school. Like in grad school when I had to write long papers, mm-hmm. I would like just turn on some metal, some headbanging music, some or some Marilyn Manson, some stuff like that. I would just literally let my thoughts flow as quickly as my fingers can put them down. Now, the poetic process is slightly more deliberative. Yes. So I might throw on some, some lo-fi music. Mm-hmm. You know, I might get in touch with nature. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, and just start writing I do have a poetry prompts, a writing prompts book that I would use from time to time. I have a couple of them because mm-hmm. uh, it's a craft. I have some expository books on writing that I've read before. Um, and I have a rhyme book and a rhyming app. So a lot of times what I would do is I would come up with things on my own. Yeah. Write it on my own first. Right. What I have in my mind. Now I might find a better word or better rhyme later but I want to get it down on the page. So all I would just do is even if I look at the, the rhyme, the poetry promise book, sometimes it gets open. Sometimes it doesn't. Right? Mm. Um, it just depends on where my head is at. Yes. If I really can't think of something to start off a poem, I'm like, well, I'm not leaving here without a poem. So, you know, muse be damned. I'm going to open up this, this writing promise book see something oh write a poem about a cat or write a poem about whatever the what you had for breakfast i'll start there and then all of a sudden it comes out to being a poem that is an indictment on the political situation (laughs) and how did it get there shit (laughs) it got there that's it It (laughs) that's where the muse comes in yes so going into the process i know that you're a photographer as well as a poet. Um, and with alphanumeric, um, which is connected to our magazine, Non-Binary Review, we also take in a lot of visual art submissions mm-hmm. for the magazine. And so I'd love to hear, you know, as a photographer, does your poetry inform your photos and vice versa? Do they have like that synergy? Oh, absolutely. So I consider poetry and photography to be so closely related. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because that's because you're taking the world and you are changing the world. Right. Mm. I know know, know it might sound kind of like aloof or campy or somehow, but but follow me on this. I'm with you. Go ahead. So like when you take a picture, right, even if you Mm -hmm. do nothing, even if you take the crappiest picture in the world, you're taking something from a 3D space and making mm-hmm. it two-dimensional. So you've already changed the world there. Any sort of composition or additions or treatments that you add to that photo, that's just icing on the cake, yes. right? Poetry does the same thing, right? You know, you don't write, I mean, you can write a poem that is very literal and is very sentence sounding like, I walked down the street. But if you were to say, 
as my spirit traveled down Montague Avenue, mm. I felt a sense of foreboding. Yeah. Right? That is a more bookish way yes. of saying the same thing. And that's what photography does to the real world. And that's what poetry does to the real world. It takes something and mm -hmm. it turns it around. Like if I were to take this can of seltzer that I'm holding, I just turn it sideways. It can look more interesting, but it's still a can of seltzer. And, and so I feel like they both kind of inform each other. Like mm -hmm. I would take a picture and sometimes I might take a picture of like a really crappy scene. Like I was outside of a pizza shop here in Brooklyn in a neighborhood that was getting increasingly run down again for a second time, I suppose. And I took the picture at night and I said, yeah. you know what? This is a black and white photograph. And, uh, and as I looked into it more detailed, I started seeing like, things that I didn't notice when I was actually walking down that street. And mm -hmm. it inspired me to write more, but the pizza from that place was so delicious. And so it was like almost like a diamond in the rough. And that helped to inspire poetry. Yes. So I, I let them ping pong off of one another all the time. I love that for myself. It's like, oh, it's a siloed thing. Like this project is this project. But no, they all talk to each other. They all inform each other. They all do. Yeah. Like, so I wrote a new con collection that's in the uh, pandemic. Mm -hmm. that, that was in the pandemic. And, you know, I'm, I'm like ping-ponging between whether to publish it independently or to have a major publisher. So I've been sending it out, like submitting it out. And this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this cake has been baked for so long and I just needed to come out when the message is still feeling is still so raw and so fresh mm -hmm. in people's mind with the pandemic but you know what it's always going to be fresh it's always going to feel relevant and yeah. so while that cake is baked you know you guys can look out for something like that in 2022 hopefully if I have one of the bigger guys do it or who knows I may work with an independent publisher yeah you know, in, in terms of getting that collection going, but that manuscript is done and writing psychedelic mixtape has informed so much of it, looking at pictures, especially pictures from the news and so on, has mm -hmm. informed so many of it that it's the idea of turning a mirror on society. Mm -hmm. Just like as you talked about, as I talked about photography changing the world, a mirror distorts the image slightly too. Yeah. And then you can notice all those little things that you might not have seen before or look a little deeper into those things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of those reasons why I truly like appreciate poetry so much. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that you're a fellow poet that, that follows that guide. I like looking at the world and whether it's extreme or mundane, we just find the poetry in it, you know? And I love that. Oh, absolutely. Because there is one thing I've said a lot on my Instagram is the mm -hmm. poetry in everything. Yes. So if you look for it, you know, you can find poetry everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you brought up about, you know, 2022, I can't believe that we're already midway through January. We're going to blink. It's going to be already summer, which I'm looking forward to that. But um what and, and congratulations on you know having another manuscript already up and going like hey 
But for 2022, what are some of your poetry writerly goals um, and getting that out there? Like, what are you you looking forward to? As I'm sending stuff out, I've also been sending other things out at a very uh, rapid clip. I have the book that was done in 2020, um, Mm -hmm. 2021. Uh, it was finished in early 2021 and so the editing process has happened and I'm just shopping that manuscript out there is another poem that I think the writing deadline on that is somewhere in um, at the end of March so then that's going to be a second manuscript finish and then I'm at the very early parts of a third manuscript so one of the things I like to do Mm -hmm. is once I complete a manuscript is I ignore it. I treat it like a stepchild. It doesn't even exist to me. (laughs) It it, 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 is Cinderella. It is doing other things. Yeah, so it's just baking. And that's the thing that I learned from this, the honor writing book I I mentioned. I do so much to sell that book and I'm not making a dime from it, but um, but it it worked so much from me. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I learned from it is Stephen King himself. He says, you know, when I write a manuscript, I put it in a drawer and uh, ignore it for about three to six months. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is when you come back to reading it again, you read it with a completely fresh set of eyes and you're no longer as hypercritical of it as before. Whereas if you write a manuscript, you're like, before you send this out to an editor, before you shop this out to publishers and whatever else, you're like, okay, well, is this there? Let's cross every I, dot every T. Did I intentionally misspell that word? Am I, am I going to put any intentional misspellings? You know, these kind of other things is, is where you go into it. If you sock that away, let it bake, let it marinate, let it season, whatever analogy you want. Mm-hmm. You come back with it with a fresh set of eyes and you look at it the way that a reader would. And yes. then you also can have other readers and have people give it a test read uh, on that time. So part of my 2022 goals is to have that second manuscript uh, finished. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of 2022, I hope to complete another collection and these collections are beefy enough they're not we're not talking about like a 25 poem collection we're talking about you know a full-on lp as yes you're talking about (laughs) that it's about 90 to 100 poems for each for each book so we're not talking about you know not a chat book not it's it's full it's a full collection not talking about a chat book and no disrespect to those that really that do chat books or put things Mm -hmm. out of magazines because that is a great way of really breaking in with your audience a lot of times i tend to break up books into parts Mm -hmm. and just offer it as something a little bit smaller for different audiences but you know i just go for the whole shebang yes swing for the fences and so that's what i intend to do in 2022 it's to keep swinging for the fences. I also hope that uh, to definitely get the podcast out there in a more visible way, to mm-hmm. collaborate with more um, writers and more podcasters, and improve my network. Because at the end of the day, we can't do it without each other. Yes. So whatever I can do to enhance other people's network only just only helps them, and I feel it helps me as well. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be really there, just more getting out there, whether yeah. uh, whether we are on lockdown or not, just getting the words out there, getting everything out there and being out there in a more meaningful and positive way. Yeah. Um, and speaking of expanding your network, where can our alphanumeric listeners find you? 
Okay, well, you can find me uh, on Instagram at SeonThePoet. That's all one word. And I kind of made it really easy. So Instagram, Clubhouse, and the Twitter is SeonThePoet, all one word. And, I've, and I have it on TikTok and uh, Snapchat. So I've kind of homesteaded that uh, just to make sure that you guys can all find me in one place. Uh, and then additionally, I have the podcast, the Poetry Talks podcast. Um, definitely shout out to Alphanumeric for you guys bringing me on. And on the Poetry Talks podcast, you guys can find that wherever you find your podcast. I prefer you guys do it on Apple Podcasts. If you can, because on Apple Podcasts, you get ratings and reviews, whereas some of the other podcasting platforms only give you ratings, others only give you reviews, and then most of them don't give you either option. <laughs> so I have listeners that are like, okay, maybe I might have a listener that might stop listening to the podcast, and I don't know why, Yeah. but if you leave a rating, if you leave a review, that might help me, it might help my team to know, okay, what can we tweak? Yes. With the formatting, what can we do? What can we build on, right, to mm -hmm. help uh, the podcast move forward and to also make more deliverable and interesting content? Yeah, there's always the goal, always the goal. Um, so thank you so much for talking with me today. It was really wonderful. I learned a lot. And yeah, Um so thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So have a good rest of your day.